hello and welcome to the podcast known as Talking Um uh, Jimmy Stewart. I'm Tim Vandenberg and much like you, I'm a Jimmy Stewart fan. In partnership with the Jimmy Stewart Museum and the actor's hometown of Indiana, Pennsylvania, I thought it would be fun to talk with some of the people who knew and appreciated Mr. Stewart, as well as those who've been inspired by his legacy. The format is evolving and might include an interview one week, maybe a roundtable discussion after that. But first up, this is still hard to believe, I'm talking with comedy great Carol Burnett, one of Jimmy's biggest fans and the 2014 recipient of the Jimmy Stewart Museum's Harvey Award. I talked to Carol by phone while she was filming in Hawaii and discussed her history with Jimmy and his wife Gloria, as well as her experiences on an all-time great, The Carol Burnett Show. I hope you'll enjoy it. Carol, one of your earlobes seems longer than the other one, though. Why why is that? (laughs) Well, actually, it is. It's not that much longer, but uh, years ago, when I got my first job on television, I called my grandmother in California, who raised me, to tell her that I was going to be on this uh, kitty TV show the following Saturday morning. And she said, well, say hello to me. And I said, Nanny, I don't think uh, NBC is going to let me say hello, Nanny, you know. Uh, So we cooked up this signal that I would tug on my left ear, which meant, hello, Nanny, I love you. And so uh, I've been doing that forever. And, uh, you know, she she passed away many years ago, but I kept up the... uh, the signal, and so uh, a few years ago, a reporter from Life magazine <laughs> measured my earlobe, yeah. and it's only like about a millimeter long, <laughs> which is nothing, but it's a little bit longer than my right earlobe. Well, I've noticed no difference. That was just me being very <laughs> odd. Well, Jimmy Stewart meant a lot to you so much. Yes, that he did. Your book, uh, This Time Together, the first chapter makes up your relationship with Jimmy. What made Jimmy so special to you? Well, I don't know what it was. I think um, I remember when, well, it's in the book. You know, I was about three or four years old. Yeah. I was really little because I remember I was seeing with, with my grandmother. Uh, we were at the movie show, you know, the picture show we called them in those days. And my feet couldn't touch the floor, so I had to be around three or four. And uh, there was this long drink of water on the screen, and uh, he was very thin, very tall, and he had this way, this magic way of delivering a line that made you feel like, you know, he was making it up right on the spot. Um, He just, I don't know, there was something in him that just spoke to me, as a human being, not only as a great actor. Right. And he reminded me a bit of my dad. My dad was this long drink of water who was very, very sweet. And uh, so I think I might have transferred a little bit of how I felt about my daddy to sure. uh, to Jimmy Stewart. You know, a lot of people and say on, that. It was funny. I remember we went home, and I said to my grandmother, I said, Nanny, I know that man. I just haven't met him yet. And she said, oh, well, that's nice, dear, you know, drink your Ovaltine. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I just knew in my heart, I knew someday I'd, I'd get to know him and that we would be friends. Uh, you were so right. I know. Amazing. It was just, uh, and it wasn't like I was wishing for it. Yeah. I just knew it as a kid. I said, wow. no, no, I know him. I just haven't met him yet. That is amazing. So yeah. your first actual meeting sounds like a classic Hollywood encounter. How did that? Well, was, how did that come about? Of, you know, doing a comedy sketch. Yeah, it, <laughs> so, it sounded like an episode of I Love Lucy, like exactly, exactly. what she would have done. Exactly. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and 
was invited by uh, a director, Warner Brothers, to come see, uh, uh, to go have lunch with him. It was uh, Merlin Leroy, who was a director uh, in the 40s. Yeah. And he said, uh, you know, come to the studio. I'm shooting a film. Just come a little bit before lunch. And if you want to watch, watch us shoot something, you know, that'd be fine. Then we'll, you know, take a break. And I didn't realize what movie he was shooting. It was the FBI story starring Jimmy Stewart. And I got to the studio, and I remember I had one good suit, one good pair of shoes, and I was all excited. And Mr. Leroy said, oh, come on in, you know, here, sit down, we're going to do this scene. And they rolled out the set that was on a platform and wheels. It was on wheels. And it was a small set, which was just a... Uh, an office with a desk and a chair and a door and this right. uh, extra actor uh, was sitting behind the desk and then uh, behind the door and uh, was Jimmy Stewart which I didn't know at the time and um, wow so you you oh you would have freaked out had you known oh, no I didn't know but then Mr. Leroy said okay action right. oh he said are you ready Jimmy and I hear yeah 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 I'm ready you know <laughs> and I recognize that voice of course, and I, I was freaking out. And then he said, okay, action. And Jim, the only action was that Jimmy came in the door and put a badge on the desk. And that was it. Cut, print, okay, lunch. And uh, he said, would you like to meet Jimmy? And I said, yeah. And they, he took me over to the platform, and I stepped up on this platform where the set was. It was about two feet off the stage. Mm-hmm. And there was Jimmy, and I was looking up at that face that I loved for all those years. I was about 20, I was in my early 20s. Okay. And um, he was, uh, I could hardly believe I was looking at him, and I I was so nervous that uh, I I don't think I heard what he was saying. My heart was beating so loudly in my ears. And then finally uh, he stopped talking, and I said, well, I guess, I know, it was so stupid. I said, I guess time to, I thought I'd be funny. And I said, time to tie on the old feed bag. Oh, my God, I said that. (laughs) And and then I thought, oh, why did I say that? And then I turned around and stepped off the platform, and my foot went into a bucket of whitewash. (laughs) And so there I was with one foot in the bucket and one foot out, and I thought, (laughs) I am so embarrassed. I'm going to make them think I did this on purpose. Yeah. Alas. And I dragged the bucket all the way across the soundstage. <laughs> you know, hoping. And I, I don't, honest to God, remember what happened after that. I don't think I had lunch with Mr. Leroy. I just went home. Oh, wow. <laughs> never never heard later, anything. later, I met Jimmy through uh, a mutual friend who, the, who knew how much I loved him, uh, George Kennedy, the actor. Uh-huh. And his wife invited uh, me and my husband to uh, dinner one night, and there was Jimmy and his beautiful wife, Gloria, there as a surprise. And so that's how we really got to know each other. And then um, uh, one time I was having a party. My husband and I were having a party in California in Beverly Hills, and we invited Jimmy and Gloria to come. And Gloria said, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll be there, but... Don't be surprised if Jimmy wants to leave right after dinner. He likes to go to bed early, you know. Yeah. I said, just the fact that you're coming, I'm thrilled. So they came, and the other guests, some of the other guests were Joe Stafford, wonderful singer, and her husband, who's a piano, musician, piano player, uh, and uh, Steve Lawrence, Edie 
Gourmet, Mel Torme. I mean, these fabulous singers, right? So yeah. right after the dinner, we went into the family room, and uh, Paul sat down at the piano, Joe's husband, and started to play, and everybody started, all these great singers started to sing. And it was about oh, maybe 10 o'clock, 9.30, 10 o'clock, mm-hmm. and uh, Jimmy got up, and he went over to the piano, and he started singing with them. And wow. so there he was, and I was sitting next to Gloria, and she said, well, I'm not going to get him out of here. He's having the time of his life. He would rather sing than act. Oh, he just wow. loves to sing. You know, and it was like all these group singers, wonderful. They didn't leave until, like, I think 1 o'clock in the morning. Oh, wow. <laughs> and Gloria called me the next day, and she said, Jimmy had the best time. If you ever have another one of those parties, you've got to have him have us back. Oh, it sounds like he loved it. Yeah, so you became good friends. Good. So we we were, you know, we'd see each other off and on and so forth at functions and things like that. Yeah. Um, then uh, you know, my last show, he surprised me by coming on. Right. Yeah, and I I had no idea they'd uh, they were hiding him all day while we were rehearsing and and uh, you know during the taping and everything so that I wouldn't see him and then. Tim came out and said, there's this guy that's been backstage who really would love to be on the show or words to that effect. And I had no idea what Tim was talking about. Yeah. And then the curtain went up and there was Jimmy at the piano and he was singing Ragtime Cowboy Boy. <laughs> oh, wow. Ragtime Cowboy. Oh, rag, Joe. Rag, rag Joe, right. Joe. And I just burst into tears. Oh. And uh, then I was fortunate enough um in the early 70s to uh, be in the uh, uh, part of the program at the Kennedy Center Honors, mm-hmm. honoring Jimmy, and I sang You'd Be So Easy to Love to him, which was a song he had sung in the movies with uh, Eleanor Powell. Then he reciprocated a few couple of years later when I got an award at the Variety Club, and he was in the audience, and he got up and he sang. You'd be so easy to love to me. Mm. So it was it was really a wonderful relationship. Yeah, you had a real mutual admiration. Sounds Absolutely. like. Absolutely. I'm for someone who would hide out on stage all day and and exactly. You know, oh, yeah, that's, that's he beautiful. had him in a dressing room, you know, with the, wow. with Gloria and everything, and they, you know, and uh, he just waited patiently until we got to that segment, you know. That is so. Great. And then he, oh, it was just one of the sweetest most wonderful surprises i ever had in my life i want to know a little bit more about gloria so you you had uh become friends socially with the stewards what was what was gloria like she was a pistol yeah she was beautiful and as funny and sharp as she was gorgeous and uh they adored each other Mm. they absolutely adored each other you could just see it i mean he he, every time she said anything, he would crack up laughing, you know, because she was funny, you know, and uh, just, it was just a wonderful, wonderful love story. Uh, you went to one of their anniversary parties. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any recollections of that? It sounded like a lot of people were there. Was because it... I was sitting next to Cary Grant. Oh, wow. Oh, wait. That's where you you uh, had your oh, famous... I had met Cary before Okay, that. gotcha. Yeah. So, so how did that go? like that so there was dancing there was an orchestra 
and uh, it was just a love fest, you know, mm. everybody, uh, and it was a small community then, you know, yes. everybody knew each other and loved each other, and, you know, Jimmy and Hank Fonda and Cary Grant, I mean, all the biggies that you could imagine, you know, they were just, they were buddies. Oh, that is amazing. Gregory Peck, you know, it was uh, the last of the great giants. You know, I, I have to wonder, what would it have been like to live on their street? Across the street oh, was right. Lucille was Ball. Right. Across the street was Lucy. Yeah, Rosemary Clooney. Sort of Lucy was uh, Jack Benny. Jack Benny. Can you imagine living on that street? No, I can't. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the thing was that nobody had gates up. Yeah. No, no. Then the buses would go by and people would take pictures of that. You know, Jimmy uh, bought... Uh, the, the lot next to their house, and Gloria had a whole big, wonderful uh, vegetable garden. Planted everything, you know, on that on that lot. And but I do remember when uh, Lucy was having a party, and uh, you know, they had a front lawn and everything. But then some people, some uh, regular, you know, people tried to crash it. She just turned on the sprinklers. <laughs> That is the so they, best. So they, they stayed away. <laughs> like they got the no message. Gates or anything. It was just a, a, a neighborhood. That's hard to imagine, like uh, especially See, now with privacy the concerns. And yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Well, yeah. it's, it's too bad. <laughs> yeah, it is. I'm, I'm curious. No, Lucy would go next door and you know, kid around with uh, Jack Benny. You know, it was yeah. it was great. Get get squash from the Stewarts. Probably. Or... Yeah, and get some, you know, some corn or something from Gloria's uh, garden. Do you remember the last time you spoke to Jimmy or Gloria? Um, I, it was, uh, Gloria had passed away, and it was at a um, function, oh, gosh, that Jimmy was involved in, um, and Robert Wagner, I can't remember what the charity was, but it was outside yeah. uh, at a school, I believe, and Jimmy was there. But he was bereft. I mean, he was uh, he was lost without her. Sure. Yeah. I, I I saw recently, and you've been you've been all over the place. It's been so fun to see you oh, pop God, up on yeah. shows. You couldn't kill me with a stick. I, I, I saw you. Uh, well, big news was the Stephen Colbert appearance, yeah. and we we found out Kevin Spacey is a big fan of Jimmy's. I, and it read you a yeah, poem Stephen as Jimmy. talked about the fact that, you know, Jimmy had been on my last show. It yeah. was a setup. Yeah. And I, I didn't know, you know, but uh, Kevin is a brilliant mimic. You oh, know, yeah. he, he, he does Jimmy Stewart. He does Al Pacino. He does Kirk Douglas. He does, he even does Catherine Hepburn. He's brilliant. Mm. And uh, so when, and I knew Kevin was the other, was on the show, but I didn't know they were going to do this. And Kevin came out and did, Jimmy Stewart, reading a poem to me that Kevin himself wrote. He wrote the poem, and then yeah. it was so sweet, and he gave it to me, because uh, you know, it was set up where Stephen said, I understand you love Jimmy Stewart, and he um, surprised you on your last show, and you know he was your idol. I said, absolutely. And he said, well, there's a gentleman here you know, who loves you very much, and we thought we'd bring him out. Here's Kevin Spacey. And I thought, what, what are they doing? What's going on here? And then Kevin pulled out this uh, poem and put the glasses on and read read it, you know, say, uh, re referring to the fact that uh, Jimmy used to go on the Johnny Carson show. 
and read poetry that he had right. written. Oh, it was a special moment. So what was going on? What was going through your mind? Well, I first I, I didn't know what they were going to And then when I I mean, I got it right away. Yeah. And I just thought it was lovely. You know, I was very, I, I was thrilled. Oh, yeah, it, was, it was very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of viral. I saw it quite a bit. And I, I saw yeah. that they used it to promote the uh, yeah, Colbert's new show. Oh, great. So I that, didn't know that. That was great. All right. Well, you, you know and have worked with another favorite actor of mine, Dick Van Dyke. Oh, yes. Um, did he ever get acquainted with Jimmy? I don't ever see them ever paired together. ever get acquainted with Jimmy? I yes. have no idea. Yeah, I don't either. I, I haven't seen any photos with them. Uh, they have some similarities. Maybe it's the height or just... Uh, yeah, and, but, uh, and the kind of every man. Right, right. So maybe they... Uh, it might have been a generational thing where yeah, he was kind of... Yeah. yeah, I know Carl Reiner said... Dick and Jerry Van Dyke were made of rubber. Now, that's that's very obvious in that encyclopedia salesman sketch on the Carol Burnett show. That he did with me, my God. Yes. yes. Gosh, he was in that family sketch where Tim talked about the Siamese elephants. Right. Uh-huh. Um, Dick was in that. You, you look. You guys look like you're in pain trying to get through well, that. It, you know what? It was I. I really. None of us wanted to laugh. <laughs> right. Never did want to. I mean, it wasn't like we ever broke up on purpose. Yeah. Like you know, if you get the giggles in church, you know, where you say, "Oh, please, I can't do," that, but you can't help it, you know. And Tim just went on a roll, and that was it. Why that? You you think you've gotten through it finally, and then Vicky delivers that zinger. Oh, Vicky delivered the big one. Yeah, the big punchline. I wonder. I want to know what the conversation was like after that sketch. Like, was it was it like how? dare you you know was it you it looks like oh. you're all taking little digs at each other every once in a while just yeah, to... it, was, it was tim's goal in life to do that to all of us yeah you know? yeah do you do you remember what the uh post-mortem might have been after that like you know was, i bet i bet it was just a, a huge eruption of laughter even after the show just oh yeah definitely and uh you know and then uh like later on that year i did a sketch with tim where I play this uh, old pigeon lady in the park who's a little bit crazy. And I decided to get back at Tim, so I had my own elephant story <laughs> for him, and I and I got him. You know, Tim strikes me as someone you, you might get a random text from, like just some inside joke or something. Does he keep up with He's you that way? He's not a jokester. He's not. No, he doesn't tell jokes. Tim is just funny uh, in sketches, you know, as a character, and imp- improvisation. You know, that's what he, he is. He's not a jokester. Do you get a random uh, memory from him? Like, will he call you or? No, he's not one to talk on the phone that much. We had dinner last week together with uh, him and his wife. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, we just sit and reminisce and have fun and, you know. Talk about the kids and so forth. You know, he's 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 just very laid back. Carol, anytime your name is brought up, the reaction I hear is, "I love her." Oh, it's it's great. I think a big reason, and one of the same reasons Jimmy was so well loved, is that people can tell you're genuine. Oh, that's a lovely compliment. Thanks, Tim. Well, no, I think it's true, and and they appreciate your influence on comedy, and and paving the way for female comedians. Oh, that's, that's I'll, I'll tell you another reason you. you're loved. Now it's it's just it's fun to uh, you know even just bring your name up. But I, I think a lot of people react to the way that you're just willing to go for it, like you're fierce. You know they <laughs> they appreciate your fierceness. Either that or really stupid. 
No, well, no, far I from just, that. Yeah, I, I just loved what we did, and I love to do it. You know, I go around the country still, and I do Q&As yes. uh, around the country. And uh, just the way we did on my show, I do 90 minutes, and I never know what anybody's going to ask or say or do. And it's uh, it's great for me because it keeps the old great matter ticking. Sure. The spontaneity would be a lot of fun. Well, I'm curious what you do. You know, I just call on people at random, so there are no no planted questions. Yeah. Well, and I've heard you, you talk about that, like it would be obvious if it's planted. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, as far as other creative things that you do, do you still draw, sketch? Uh, uh, not, very, not very often. No? Uh-uh. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, you have to, just performing all the time, I would guess there have to be nights where maybe you don't feel like going on. Um, and if that happens, I'm curious, like, what, what's your inner motivation? Like, what do you... Inner motivation is that these people are out there and they're seeing this for the first time. And you owe it to them to do the best you can. Right. So, lots of times, I remember years ago when I was on Broadway, I had uh, sprained my ankle during the show. And... I don't know, the adrenaline, it keeps you going, and it didn't swell up until after the, sh- the curtain call. Wow. It's, it's, it's really funny, and I don't think I'm the only one that that's happened to. You know? oh, wow. The only time it's rough is if you're doing a Broadway show, and it's a musical, and you get bronchitis. I mean, forget it. You know, then you, you can't. So you really are, people think, you know, Broadway, oh, they're only on stage for two hours a night. It's a, it's a romp. It's not, you ha- you are really in training. You have to be very careful to take care of your voice and your body and everything. You know, it's, it's a 24-7, uh, uh, you've got to be watching it, you know. Sure. Do you have a personal regimen for staying sharp and healthy? Because uh, you obviously oh, are. I try to eat well. I try to sleep well. And I uh, I read a lot and I do crossword puzzles and I exercise. All good things. Yeah. You know, you've said that given the massive production behind the Kel Burnett show, it wouldn't be possible to do that kind of show today. No, they, you couldn't because uh, of the money, the cost. Just the um, getting the rights to all the music and everything that we did. Uh, I, I th- I've just finished my fourth book, written my fourth book, uh, and it's called In the Sandbox, and it's about the 11 years on our show, how it came about. Uh, anecdotes about the guest stars, so forth and so on. And I say, you know, that, um, uh, you know, the cost to, to uh, clear the music alone would be enough to sink the Titanic today. Um, you know, we did a lot of music in the, our show, and um, and 28-piece orchestra, no way today. Right. You know, 12 dancers, no way. You were born at the right time. I totally was. I really was, because I might have, have a career if I were younger today, but it wouldn't be the same. Do you ever wonder what you would be doing if, if you were just I'd starting out? I'd probably be trying to do what the, some of the younger uh, uh, comedians are doing today, you know, uh, having a series, doing whatever, you know. But um, it, it, I just can't vision visualize having as much fun as we did. Because today, I don't know... the. I call them the suits. They're so hands-on about everything. They, it's, it's crazy. I've done a few guest shots on sitcoms where uh, they keep rewriting in front of the audience. 
you know, and, and retaking and redoing. I mean, the 22 minutes of show, you know, because of commercials. One time it took, I, I did a sitcom, and it took five hours to do 22 minutes. Oh, wow. Which was, to me, ridiculous. Now, it sounds like you had the perfect scenario for you. Certainly did. We did a, we did kind of like a live musical comedy review a week, only we taped it. Hey, did you ever fight Cher in the parking lot over one of those Bob Mackie dresses? <laughs> Not at all. Not <laughs> at all. They, they taped for a while next door to us. Really? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. The, the Friday nights was like a dorm uh, situation at Television City. It was wonderful. Uh, Sonny and Cher were next door. The Smothers Brothers were across the hall. Uh, Glenn Campbell was down the hall. Jim Neighbors. I mean, it was great fun. And sometimes, you know, during a tape stop or a break, I'd wander over to somebody else's set and see what they were up to. Wow, that's just too much fun. Oh, it was. All right. Well, I'm curious. If you were producing the next season of your show, who would you be looking to book as guest stars? Well, definitely Kevin Spacey. Yeah. Definitely Kevin Spacey. I I, I would love to get Meryl Streep because she's, she's the whole ball of wax, too. She's very funny. Oh, and absolutely. she sings. And God knows she could do a sketch. You know, at one point we had Maggie Smith on three times. Oh, wow. On our show. You know, and it's a brilliant actress. Very funny, wonderful to work with. And I'm a movie nut. So, you know, I, I would want to go for that. I would definitely ask Tina and Amy Poehler. You know, and uh, we were fortunate enough to have Steve Martin as a guest on our show. That was lovely. Oh, that, that's great. I, I would love to see a Carol Burnett, Downton Abbey sketch. <laughs> yeah, we'd do that. I'm sure we would. We'd probably do Downton Abbey and maybe Orange is the New Black. <laughs> that would have to tie into your hair somehow. Of course. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> maybe there's an opportunity in uh, in just like videos or short films or something. Well, who knows, you know. Yeah, your, your skit with Jimmy Fallon was priceless. That was right on the heels of your visit to the Jimmy Stewart Museum. That was like That's that right. Went right from there to that. Um, really funny. I'd love to see that continue. That'd be great. Uh, I'd love to go back. You know, I, I'll be doing some publicity next year for my book, so I'm hoping I can get booked on Jimmy Fallon again so we could do a sketch. All right, so you're doing another episode of Hawaii Five O. Yeah, that's what I'm here for now. Wow, okay. And I've seen your show come up on cable. I think it's on MeTV. Oh, yes. Um, you have the Kelburn at the Lost episodes on DVD. Yeah, and we're on YouTube. We're all over YouTube, and uh, which is wonderful because I'm getting fan mail from 10-year-olds, teenagers, who, you know, forget it. They weren't. <laughs> I'm old enough to be their grandmother, and they say, oh, gosh, we wish we could have seen one of this. And so, you know, really wonderful letters. Uh, you have a great legacy. It holds up. Thank it's, you. It's just so fun. Well, listen, this was great. I guess I'd ask one more question. Do you have a favorite Jimmy Stewart movie? Well, it's A Wonderful Life. Yeah. Yeah, and his. That was his favorite. I know, and Frank Capra's, too. Yeah. Uh, well, Carol, thank you so much. You were so wonderful to talk to. Oh, thank you, Tim. Well, it was, I love talking about him. You know that. All right, a big, big thanks to Carol Burnett. Look up Kevin Spacey Reads Carol Burnett a Poem on YouTube to see her get the appreciation she deserves. 
All right, I want to show some appreciation to my friend Jeff Ivey for allowing me to record this interview at his office on very short notice. Now on the podcast front, thanks to David Gorm for our music theme and to Chris Barber for getting us connected. also want to extend a big thanks to Kristen Baxter for our fun artwork. And to my wife and kids, especially my daughter, who was supportive from the moment I first talked about this idea while I was driving her to school. And of course, to Tim Harley and the crew at the Jimmy Stewart Museum. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Talking Um uh, Jimmy Stewart. There's a, I won't do that every time. There's a lot of fun coming up, so stay tuned. <laughs>